to another episode of the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor, recovering perfectionist. Having thrived in a male-dominated, commission-based industry, I'm passionate about helping women boldly pursue their life goals. In this space, we build confidence with our mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. I believe that your life manifests as a result of who you are, not what you do, and that your personality creates your personal reality. Join this growing community to increase your net worth by increasing your self-worth. Now let's jump into today's topic. Hello, hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Before we jump into today's topic, I have a really quick announcement. In two weeks, I will be hosting a live workshop on Friday, December 16th at 12 o'clock Central Time or Texas Time. In this live workshop, we will be planning for 2023 and reviewing 2022 altogether. So, In this workshop, it will include my digital planning workbook, something that I actually use to plan out my own years, as well as reviewing the year before, because I think that's important in our preparation. It also includes a visualization meditation if you're one of the first 25 to sign up. It includes manifestation tips. You'll have a video replay afterward. There will also be a Q&A at the end, and you will have a one hour of planning time with me and other like-minded individuals. All of this is going to be $23 in honor of 2023. I know it seems like a random number, but I was trying to be cute with it. (laughs) And if you can't make that date or time work, no worries. If you sign up, you will still get a copy of the workbook and the visualization meditation if you're the first 25. And you will get a replay of the event afterward that you'll be able to save, listen to, and complete the work on your own time. So don't worry if you can't make it to the actual live session. You will still get access to the content afterward. And even if you are not a fan of New Year's resolutions, that's okay. Honestly, I don't really love that word or that expression. I'm just more about planning, setting goals, and being intentional about where I want to spend my time in the upcoming year. And I think that's important because having preparation will allow you to take action. And that is a huge part of manifestation is, or the law of action, is planning, so that you can take action. So that's really what this workshop is going to be about. It's December 16th at noon central time on a Friday in two weeks from now. Again, $23, limited spaces available. I have to cap it, unfortunately. And I'd love to see you there. Okay, let's jump into today's topic. In today's episode, I want to cover a topic that I've mentioned a little bit in other episodes, and honestly, I think that it's about time I do an episode on this, considering a lot of what I talk about falls within this genre, is about shadow work. But before I jump into today's topic, I want to give a shout out to Mary. Mary is someone that reached out on Instagram and shared with me a really fun story that I wanted to bring to you all because I think it was such a fun description of how manifestation can show up in our everyday lives. So in the last episode, I was talking about angel numbers and how one of my specific numbers is often 619. So Mary is listening into this episode while she's on a walk, and as I'm saying this, she looks up and she's literally passing a house with the number 619 in the address. 
and then shared with me not only the story, but then also a picture of the house and its address. And I also got a good laugh for it. And it also just made my night. I was like, I love when this shit happens. Like, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, the synchronicities that happen are just so awe-inspiring and hilarious and also crazy. And there's there's really no word for it. It's just like these things make me chuckle, but they also don't surprise me, but they're also kind of a delight every time they happen. You know what I mean? Like, I am someone that lives, breathes, operates in this manifestation world, and I still get very excited when I see synchronicities because even someone that operates in this world, it's not uncommon to be like, well, is all this real? Like, sometimes you question yourself. Sometimes you kind of wonder if you've just dove off the deep end. But then these little synchronicities show up to be like, yes, Yes, it's real. We're here. We support you. Here's the the crazy th- you know, the number that matches exactly what you just heard in this podcast episode. So, I so thank you Mary for sharing that story with me. I thought it was so fun, and I just wanted to share that with you all because it's just these everyday synchronicities that are just this evidence that the universe is there to support you. It's listening. It's a part of your life. So, thank you so much Mary for sharing that. I loved 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 to hear that story. Especially because I feel like 619 is just not one of those numbers you see all over the place, right? <laughs> like, it's not like 444 or 333. So anyway, love the universe. Love that message. Okay, so back to today's topic. Again, today's topic is all about shadow work. And before we get into this, let's just talk about the elephant in the room in case it's an elephant in the room for you. Shadow work is not a negative thing. Having grown up in a Christian background... When I first heard the word shadow work, for whatever reason, my mind jumped to dark magic and demonic things and satanic work and rituals. And I don't I don't know why my brain jumps to all that. I mean, that's not true. I know why my brain jumps to all that. But that is not at all what we're talking about with shadow work. I kind of feel like that's a terrible name for it. I kind of feel like it's more like healing work, but I didn't come up with the name. So what can you do? So let's talk about what shadow work is, what the shadow self is, because that's a big part of it, where they come from, and some techniques you might be able to use if you're interested in this kind of work. So as I mentioned, first things first, this is healing work. And y'all should know, like, I do not mess around with Ouija boards. I do not mess around with haunted houses. I am good without all that. Like, even though I am a very spiritual, positive person, I am not about to mess around with things I don't know about. I have boundaries about what I'm willing to work in within, and shadow work is a very healing, beautiful thing. And I don't want to yuck your yum, so if you're someone that's into like Ouija boards and haunted houses, hey, good for you. It's just something that kind of terrifies me, not going to (laughs) lie. So thankfully, I learned that shadow work is none of those things. It is light work. It is self-healing work. You could even consider personal development as an aspect of shadow work. So hopefully that provides you some comfort if you read this title and you're like, she's getting a little weird. Shadow work is so wonderfully therapeutic. However, if you are not ready for it, it can be really intimidating because it is powerful work. It is starting to get to the aspects of yourself that you may have avoided working on. And that's really that's why, honestly, it's called shadow work, because it's kind of like the shadow sides of yourself, the sides of yourself that have been hidden from view or the sides of yourself that maybe you're ashamed of or don't want to address or it's been too scary to to work on. But when you are ready for it, 
it is immensely healing. It is beautiful work that you can do for yourself. And I highly recommend everyone at some point in their lives makes the decision to say yes to this kind of work. So if you are hearing about shadow work, whether it's the first time or if it's piqued your interest for a while or you just read the title of this episode and you were intrigued or maybe your best friend sent you this episode, consider that this may be your sign from the universe that you're ready, that you're ready to embark on a healing journey with shadow work in whatever way that looks like for you. And if that feels good to hear, great. That's amazing. That means that you're ready to become the best and most whole version of yourself, and that the universe is ready for you. You're ready to get to work. So let's get into a little bit of the history around the shadow self and really how it came about. So I believe it was the early 1900s whenever psychologist Carl Jung coined the term shadow self. And he believed that everyone had this dark version of their own personalities. And he was quoted saying, To the degree that you condemn others and find evil in others, you are to that degree unconscious of the same thing within yourself. So to paraphrase that, what you see and condemn and judge in others is something that you also have within yourself that you're unconscious of. So that's kind of mind-blowing in and of itself. So to put this in layman terms, the shadow self is really made up of the traits that we actively suppress or repress within ourselves until they're forced into our subconscious. So it can come from like shame or guilt or avoidance. And the shadow self grows or is further expanded every time we betray ourselves by neglecting our needs in favor of how we appear on the outside or in favor of external appearances. And to officially go on the record, we all have a shadow self. Every single person. I don't care if it's your priest. I don't care if it's your spiritual teacher. Everyone has a shadow self. It is the the degree in which we work with it and work on it that you bring a lot more of that shadow self into the light. You heal a lot of these aspects of yourself. And then you can co-create with it once you've given awareness to it. So we create the shadow self when we put so much energy into rejecting either emotions or maybe experiences like anger, rage, selfishness, jealousy, hate, promiscuity even, shame, guilt, or really just any aspect of ourselves that we deem inappropriate in some way. It's like you could say, where there is shame, there is a shadow. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to put that on Instagram. When we are triggered by our experiences, this is how our shadow self shows up. It's asking to be recognized in those moments of being triggered. And when we self-sabotage, this is also our shadow self showing up, also asking to be recognized. So anytime you are having a negative reaction to something or you feel shame about something or you feel triggered in some way, that means that there's something there for you to heal. There's something there for you to call awareness to and attention to. So don't feel shame for the side of yourself because like I said, we all have it. No person out there is perfect. No one has avoided all negative experiences so that they don't have a shadow self. No one. In our consciousness on this earth, it's just not possible. So we all have a shadow self to work on. And this episode is not about getting rid of it. It's also not about figuring out what to do with it because there's no such thing. Like you don't get rid of this thing. You don't shine a light and it just disappears. (laughs) 
Because our shadow self serves an important role. I know I've talked in past episodes about the ego and how it's important to let your ego ride shotgun but not be in the driver's seat. It's the same thing with the shadow self. In fact, you could say that the shadow self is an aspect of the ego as well. It serves an important role. It's here to help us evolve emotionally, mentally, health-wise, spiritually. So without them, our lives would just be very two-dimensional and simple. Like growth would be stunted because there wouldn't be any need for it. So from that perspective, we can be really grateful for our shadow selves, for the work and the teachings that it has and, and the richness it gives to our lives, really. So that's the shadow self. And the shadow work is the idea of bringing to light the shadow self so that you become aware of all the things that you're bringing into the world and how you're responding to people and how you're bringing your own traumas into situations. So that's what shadow work is all about, is just bringing up the things that we have suppressed and repressed over time. So to do this, you have to have radical honesty with yourself about thoughts and feelings. Because the longer we bury aspects about ourselves that we don't like, or the heavier the burden they are, or the more shame we have around something, the more power we give to our shadow selves, the larger they become. And at some point, you're going to have to tackle this thing you might as well start working on it as soon as you're called to do so. When we bring light to the side of ourselves, we transmute the darkness and we allow ourselves to heal. And this will require that we have self-compassion, that we recognize that it exists, we commit to doing the work, which is all about what this podcast is about, is self-healing and committing to the work and leveling up and allowing yourself to manifest the things you want. And when we don't recognize these sides of ourselves and we don't face our own demons— We just push them deeper. We give them more power. We allow them to become more energetically dense, more energetically draining. And that's not what any of us want. That's not what our manifestation purpose is about. That's not what we're, that's not where we're trying to aim to go, right? We don't want this stuff weighing us down. We want to release it. So when we're not open to doing shadow work, it's kind of like, I would use the metaphor that like you're putting trash into a trash compactor. And as you avoid this work and choose not to do it, Your traumas are just like stacking up and you're just like compacting it like a little trash compactor, hoping that you'll never have to take out the trash. But as we know, having, you know, I don't have a trash compactor, but I've used them. (laughs) That is not a long-term plan. At some point, you're going to have to take the stuff out. You're going to have to air the laundry, so to speak. I'm kind of mixing up metaphors there, but you get it. So the only way to really strip away the power from the shadow self and to move forward in a healthy way is to identify the aspects of ourselves bring them to light for observation. And when we do this, we can become, we can begin to heal. It's like one of my favorite quotes by Sheryl Sandberg. I don't have it verbatim in my mind. It's my favorite quote. I don't have it memorized. It's something along the lines of, once we become aware of something, we cannot help but change. And that's really what all this work is about. Recognizing, not repressing. When we become aware, when we recognize, we know what to heal. We know what to work on. And that's important. And when you become aware of these things, hopefully your inclination is to want to change them. And if it helps, all of this suppression, all this repression, a lot of it, it's not our fault. This is just how society has, it's what it's cultivated a lot of. It's done a great job of just trying to banish things that in the past we considered inappropriate or maybe immodest using whatever tools they had available at the time. So you think about like the 1950s and what it meant to be like a modest woman or, you know, someone that acted appropriately. 
And we may have used religion. We may have used politics or corporate values, cultural beliefs, or a sense of normality. We would use whatever means that we could to label something as either pure or not pure and therefore desirable or not desirable as a way to condemn people. So these things are not our faults. We have done a great job of deciding who and who was not worthy of something based on how we perceived them. And because we didn't want to be perceived in the wrong light, we would suppress and repress the things that we thought were not desirable. We would like condemn ourselves, shame ourselves. So we really hid a lot of these aspects of ourselves in order to survive. And I honestly think that's what the midlife crisis is about, is that people are finally sick and tired of the suppression, of the repression of their authentic selves. And it starts to fight its way out. And sometimes it could end marriages. Sometimes it could completely change and transform careers. Some examples of this would be the Great Resignation. I believe a huge part of that was the fact that so many people woke up over the pandemic and realized that they didn't want to put up with bullshit anymore, that they wanted to be living their best lives and they weren't doing that in the work setting. And so they retired early and wanted to go live that life, be their more authentic self, not feel like they had to show up to work and mask who they were to fit in to that corporate neurotypical environment. Because it is exhausting to have to have two versions of you. I used to always joke around and say I had the work version of myself and the home version of myself. And while it was a lighthearted joke at the time, there was some serious trauma around that of having to pretend to be someone you weren't in a professional setting. And I love right now that the current generations, especially Gen Z, is really focused on getting rid of a lot of those toxic things in the work environment so we can show up more authentically. I've also read that majority of businesses get started by people in their 40s and 50s. And I think that's because, again, people just get so tired of not living to their true calling or their true nature or their authentic calling and their authentic purpose in life. And so they finally just do it because they're like, fuck it. I don't know how many more years I have in me. I'm just going to go for it because I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life if I don't just try. I also think the generations before us were more likely to get divorced in their mid 40s, 50s, etc. Because at some point you wake up in the relationship and if you weren't your authentic self from day one, if you acted a part that you thought the other person wanted or if you weren't showing up as your true self or you married the type of person that you thought you should marry but it wasn't really what you internally wanted, that creates resentment that really feeds your shadow self. And so I think all of these changes that we're seeing right now, I think all of these changes that happen, especially in midlives, are positive change. I think they're all a way to honor our shadow selves. And a lot of times I think it's necessary change, but it also doesn't have to be that radical. <laughs> you could start working on it earlier before it gets to that explosion point, And you can start to do this work before it builds up into something negative. And so we can let go of these thoughts of fundamentalism. We can let go of what we perceive as good, right, pure, whatever the word is. And we can let go of anything that doesn't fall within the place of love. Love for yourself, love and appreciation for your own authenticity. And letting go of anything that you thought you quote-unquote should be ashamed of. And have kindness for yourself and compassion for yourself, knowing that most of us are repressed or suppressed in some way. Either sexually, spiritually, emotionally, vocally, physically. The message from the world has been, we expect perfection. And, And really, perfection is not a state of being. It's an appearance. 
And when something is appearance-focused, it's external-focused, it causes us to try to bury the things that don't fit that narrative or don't fit the evidence of what we think that perfection is. And we know intellectually that perfection doesn't exist, but our subconscious doesn't always. And so neither does our shadow self. And I love that it's getting talked so much about now because I think it's allowing so many more people to take the masks off and to really show their true natures. And I know I've done a lot of reading lately about like neurodivergence versus neurotypicals. And I'm someone that identifies as neurodivergent, ADHD. And there is this element of masking. And masking is the idea of acting a certain way, putting on a certain persona, acclimating to the social settings that you're in in order to meet the needs of the group or what you think someone expects of the way that you should act. And so a lot of times what might happen is that, and this isn't just neurodivergence, neurotypicals can do this too. It's where you might have a different personality for different subsets of friends or different groups of friends. And it's this masking element of what that particular group of friends, what you think they expect from you. And it's exhausting. And that's why talking about masking and the shadow self has become so popular nowadays is because I think especially after the pandemic, people are tired of that shit. It's, it's, it's exhausting. This is also something that the Black, Indigenous, people of color community has also experienced because they were trying to fit into what is, has historically been considered the default or the white world, the white society that we've lived in. And so having so much empathy for anyone that's experienced masking as a way to fit into the default setting of society, really as a means of survival. So as we start to take off these masks, as we start to embark upon this shadow work, it's important to remember that we have to marry this personal development with self-acceptance. So we have to embrace these parts of our identities that are not what we would consider for ourselves, either because we were taught this or it's what we've taken on from media or TV or whatever. We have to embrace the parts of our identities that we don't consider pure or good or right or acceptable, or normal, whatever the word is. And I'm using quotations on all of these because, you know, what do these words even really mean? What is normal? So meeting these thoughts, knowing what they are, and then having radical acceptance for them, and knowing that they exist, and being okay with the fact that they exist, and knowing that it's something you can work on, and something that we can work on as a society, because there's a reason people felt the need to mask And so what do we need to undo to make sure that that's not what is required moving forward? And I think it's beautiful that so many people are working on their mindsets, are working to become healthier versions of themselves, because I think that raises the consciousness of society. And I think that reduces the need to mask. And yet I think we're living in a beautiful time where a lot of these things are starting to come to the forefront of people's awareness where people are starting to wake up to the issues, to the challenges people face. Things like gender discrimination or generational wealth or income disparity or racism. And if you're interested in learning more about anti-racism specifically, I'm reading a really good book right now. This is like a side plug. (laughs) I have no affiliation with these authors, but I think it's a really good book worth reading. It's a book called White Women by Regina Jackson and Syra Rao. Highly recommend. I got it on Audible. You can also get it on Amazon or your local bookshop. And also follow them on Instagram. They're awesome people. They bring a lot of awareness to anti-racism and a lot of the things that white women have done to contradict the anti-racism movement. Even when we have what we think is the best of intentions, we 
don't always act appropriately. So that's a really tough book to read, by the way, but it's very eye-opening and I highly, highly recommend it for anyone that is wanting to do more work on that for themselves. Okay, back to the topic at hand. So the shadow work is highly, highly important and it really can flow into all these different areas of our lives, which is quite beautiful. That's, as I said, really going to help us mature as a society, really going to help us cultivate a healthier society without people that are having to mask. And in doing shadow work, I have seen some coaches, spiritual leaders, people that practice shadow work that have come across as kind of like holier than thou. You know what I mean? Like they've done a lot of work on themselves and they kind of feel like they've quote unquote made it and can appear to be like all loving, all goodness, all light, and just really portray this sense of purity. Run far away from those people. <laughs> we can only appear to be that pure and that all together. And when we are only appearing that way, that means we are deceiving because we are not fully showing up as our authentic selves. So if you're ever wanting to take a course for someone from someone, make sure that it is a course from someone that that can hold space for both the things that they've worked on, the things they continue to work on. I'd always caution taking any sort of course or advice or feedback from someone that isn't able to admit their own flaws. And to me, this is true of every relationship. Like this should be the goal for every relationship, but especially close friendships and especially romantic relationships. Like if someone, if you enter a relationship with someone and they can't talk about what they did wrong in a previous relationship, to me, that's a red flag. That means they have some shit they got to work out. They are not taking ownership of something because every relationship or every lost relationship, it takes two people for a relationship to fail or for a relationship to end. And I think it's really healthy when people can recognize what part they played. So whether it's a professional relationship, a romantic relationship, a friendship, that is such a great question to ask in the very first date if you are someone that is in the dating world and trying to figure out how to avoid the people that aren't emotionally ready for you. And we know the other person had to contribute in some way because they brought their own traumas into the relationship. As adults, we always bring our traumas into relationships and use the other person to try to resolve them or to cause them to explode. It goes either way. And we all have a shadow self, and that shows up in our relationships. And there's no such thing as a one-sided relationship. It might feel that way if you can't hold boundaries, and that's like a whole nother topic. But every relationship takes two people. Every relationship has both sides. In every relationship, both people are bringing their shadow selves to the table. And I'm not saying that they're going to be upfront about it in their marketing or on their dating profile, because obviously if you're trying to sell a service or you're trying to even sell yourself as a dating prospect, you're not going to be like super forthcoming right out the bat with all your baggage, right? (laughs) I mean, that would save us all a lot of time, but truth is they're probably not going to be like, let me give you all my problems right up front, right? But there's a way, you know, in your research of the person, in the way that they carry themselves, you can tell whether or not they are someone that is aware of their own lessons that still need to be learned versus someone who's coming across a bit more preachy. So when it comes to shadow work, if you are starting to follow people on Instagram or you're starting to find courses that can assist you in all of this, just make sure that you're being cognizant and aware of the the person's giving the lessons and the energy that they're coming from, more or less. 
And the reason I bring this up too is because a lot of times, especially in the religious settings, people can obsess over certain beliefs that they have, which can cause other people to want to mask. So an example of this could be an obsession over people's sexuality, how they identify, whether they're straight or gay or trans or queer or whatever your identification is. Certain people in the religious community might obsess over that. And what I think is really fascinating is that a lot of times the things that we obsess about in a community or in others is something that we're actively suppressing or repressing within ourselves, something we're burying within ourselves. And it may not be that you are someone that would be gay if you allowed if you allowed your authentic self to come through, but it might be that there's sexual repression there. And the fact that someone else is being more sexually liberated, that is causing you to be obsessive and wanting to suppress and repress them. Because when we recognize the things we dislike or even hate in others, there's a direct reflection of what we're hiding from and within ourselves every time. So when you see someone else's hate and you can't understand it, know that it's coming from a place from within, something that they're suppressing or repressing about themselves. And we dislike people that remind us of the things we dislike about ourselves. And it doesn't have to be like a verbatim exchange, right? If you hate gay people, it doesn't mean that you yourself are gay, but it means that you're suppressing or repressing something within you, whether it's your unconditional ability to love. You don't give yourself that unconditional ability to be yourself or you don't give yourself that unconditional ability to be sexually aware. It could be any version of that. And I'm just using that as, a, as an example because I feel like it comes up quite a bit. Know that it's not about you. It's always something coming from within. It's always something they're experiencing subconsciously. And that does not make it okay. That never, there's no explanation. There's no reason good enough for hate ever, 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 ever. But this is why shadow work is so important because it can bring awareness to this kind of activity, this kind of hate. And hopefully shadow work can help create a society where that kind of hate doesn't exist. You know, maybe that's a utopia. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. But how beautiful would it be if more people said yes to this kind of work and then questioned some of their own beliefs, some of their own hateful feelings towards other people or things or ideas or whatever it is. So this is why people who are emotionally repressed will be the first to call someone sensitive or dramatic or a snowflake. This is why people that are sexually repressed might be the first to call someone else a slut. Or someone that is spiritually suppressed might claim that their God is the only God. Or that their lack of God is the only right answer and everyone else is dumb for not agreeing. It's this intolerance of the other side is an indication, is a red flag, that something is there. Something needs to come to the surface there. And that's true for yourself as well. Like, what are the things that really bother you? What are the things that are hard for you to reconcile that other people do or other people act or whatever that is? And then ask yourself, okay, well, what does that say about me? What might I be repressing that's not front of mind? that I could work on or that makes me feel uncomfortable in some way. And then why is that? So the key indicator of a shadow self where the, of where you could do some shadow work 
is judgment. Judgment, hate, resentment. When we experience these kinds of emotions towards others, it's really casting a stone back on ourselves. It's like, hey, here's something you need to work on. And so a personal example of this is that I really struggle to have empathy for people that I view as not caring about other people and being selfish and just not being open-minded to healing and to the, to the, this, I mean, really to everything my podcast talks about and how to move forward, how to grow as a person. And as a result, they say really and, and believe really closed-minded things. And so I have to think about, well, what does that say about me? What have I suppressed within myself that might make me have more anger toward people that are closed-minded? And I think for me, that answer would be what would really lie in how I was brought up and conditioning that's still left over that I'm still working to let go of that I don't want to believe in, but are things that I was raised to believe in that I no longer accept as a truth for me. And yet, those selfish, those negative judgmental thoughts are still there. And the difference is is that I choose not to live a life where those lead it. I choose to live a life led with more compassion. But those people anger me because they remind me that that stuff is still there within me. That's still conditioning that I was brought up with that'll just always be there. And recognizing that is important. You know, this book that I mentioned earlier white women. It talks about how there are women, white women that are supportive of Black Lives Matter and are, you know, donating to organizations that support anti-racism and and are supporting of critical race theory and, and all of these things. And yet, because they haven't recognized their own racism, which every white person has racism within them, it's just a byproduct of the society we were raised in. You have to be aware of that so that you can accept it so that you can make sure that you are showing up in a way that is a friend to people of color, that is a supporter to people of color, and you are constantly asking yourself, am I showing up in a way where my biases are getting in the way? And if so, how can I respond differently? Really important questions to ask yourself, and shadow work is a huge part of this kind of self-realization. And that's one reason why I wanted to talk about shadow work today is because I think as the topic of anti-racism becomes more prevalent, especially if you're listening and you are another white woman, we need to recognize the parts of ourselves that were raised in a society that is inherently racist. And if that's hard for you to hear, if you have resentment toward that, if you are throwing up your hands and saying, Brie, I am not racist— I'm a Black Lives Matter supporter. I have done this. I have done that. I am in this community. I am, you know, whatever the answer is. That's resentment. That is judgment. That is shame. That's exactly what we're talking about in today's episode. Shadow work. That right there is because, and I'm speaking from experience. When I first started listening to white women, I was like, oh, I'm not that way. I'm not racist. Da, da, da. But then you start listening to it and you're like, well, shit. Our default setting you know, why do we say we'll describe people in the, in the news as black man did this or did that, but we'll never say like white man did this, right? Because the default setting is white. And we have to recognize that. We have to own that that is the situation, that everything is right now 
defaulting to white. And that in and of itself creates as a byproduct racism, because when there is a default setting and everything else is separate or different from or not normal, that creates difference. That creates a sense of tribalism and that creates a sense of separate from and that cultivates racism. I'm not saying that you are throwing around slurs or that you're blatantly disrespectful intentionally. I'm just saying these are things to be aware of. These are things to know about the culture you live in and know that your initial reaction to something, your initial judgment of something may not be how you actually want to show up because that might be from your conditioning. That might be from your shadow self. And once you are aware, that may not be how you want to respond moving forward. So this is going to be a really heavy statement to make, but I believe that the worst aspects about society, racism, sex trafficking, pedophiles, serial killers, I believe that these terrible things are a result of a dysfunctional society that has encouraged people to hide their shadow selves. And that's why this work is so important. It's so critical. We have to become aware. We cannot bring our shame with us into the kind of future we want to create. We have to own the things about ourselves that we have experienced shame around. Our triggers reveal our shadows. If someone telling you as a white person that you are inherently racist just by having been born in in the society we live in, and that causes you to experience anger, that right there is an example of shadow work that needs to be done. And racism is just one example. It's the one fresh on my mind having read this book. But there are many other examples of the same concept, right? When we are triggered by a person or their actions or what they say, this is a gentle nudge to look in the mirror. So we have to stop the self-shaming. We have to stop the self-judgment. Put that shit away. We're not, we can't take that with us where we're going. Our shadow self isn't bad. In fact, it's our protector. So the benefit of the shadow self is that it's tried to protect us from seeing the things that it felt could emotionally cripple us. I mean, it doesn't always get it right, but that's its goal. And a lot of us, you know, our shadow self starts to feel neglected and banished because we're pushing it to the side all the time while sitting there trying to protect us. And many of us have spent a lot of time and energy keeping it out of the spotlight. But, and this is a big but, our shadow self exists to protect us. Our shadow self has guarded us from any emotional pain that we may not have had the tools to deal with at the time. So it cleaned up and it made up for our lack of emotional regulation really in the best way it knew how, to hide, to absorb it. So when we're afraid to experience our shame, when we're afraid to have these really difficult conversations that make us feel resentful or scared or feel a lot of anxiety, our shadow self's tendency is to want to step in front and swallow these uncomfortable emotions for us so we don't have to deal with them in the moment. It's like, oh, don't worry, I got this. And then it carries it off, like scuttles it into the back of your mind. Like, don't worry, I got it. It's hiding for you forever. (laughs) And for some of you, the shadow self may be the reason why you've been able to get up and go to work and get your job done without falling apart if you've experienced some extreme trauma. And if that is you, then make sure you embark upon this work alongside a therapist or alongside a professional that can really help you through it. Because... You know, we don't know what might come up. 
I think shadow work is immensely healing. I think it's beautiful work. And I would also say that use your best judgment. Only you know what you're capable of handling on your own and when you need to call in professional support. So I defer to you. You know yourself the best. If you make that judgment call for whatever you think is is in your best interest. And if you are someone where you're like, well, I'm not really sure, but I have a lot of missing memories from my childhood, then it might be a good idea to just go ahead and bring in a therapist anyway, because you just never know what might come up. There's a reason why our brain can hide things from us if, if they were particularly traumatic. So use that as an indicator to go ahead and bring in a professional to, to help you out with this. I think this is going to be the best way that you can move forward in your healing if you're open to it, if you're able to, to do so. So have so much love and compassion for your shadow self. Consider it your knight in shining armor for protecting you for all these years. So screw the Disney princesses. We all have our shadow selves ready and dedicated to saving us from our own emotions. <laughs> and it's okay to thank that side of ourselves and to bring more awareness to how it's shown up, how it's caused us to repress some things and bring to light a lot of those things that we want to work on. And know that any of the issues that you might consider as something that you're working on or one of your own red flags, if you're cognizant of what those are, are are coming from your shadow self as well. So another way that this might show up if some of the earlier examples didn't resonate is maybe your parents got divorced when you were really young. So your shadow self created these abandonment issues to protect you from experiencing that kind of pain again. And so it pushes people away at the right moment so that way you don't feel like you're getting back into that vulnerable spot where your feeling of safety might be threatened again. Or maybe your parents fought about money. I know I get this one a lot. So now you're extremely frugal and your shadow self carries that scarcity mindset so you're always prepared for the worst case scenario because it assumes that that'll make things easier to handle if it does happen. So it keeps you in that space of scarcity. Our shadow self always has the best of intentions, but its actions are usually misguided. Its intent is genuine. So know and love the shadow self because it does have a positive reason for existing. It carries our baggage, and that is a tough cross to bear for anyone. So we want to coexist with them. We want to let them ride shotgun. Maybe we even want to let them pick the music every now and again. (laughs) And so if you're interested in this kind of work, there's also other synonyms for shadow work. That's things like working on limiting beliefs, working on your inner child, subconscious beliefs, core beliefs, core values. So you may have already done some of this work before. You may have already started stripping away aspects of you and getting to the raw core of who you are and the issues that you still need to work on. And if the shadow self, for whatever reason, just brings about any negative feelings for you, then you can replace it with inner child. If that phrasing works better, have at it. A lot of coaches will choose that verbiage because they feel like people are more gentle and more nurturing and compassionate towards children. So the term inner child is used as a way to encourage that self-compassion for your protector. It doesn't literally mean the younger version of you, right? It's just an expression. But imagining that side of you as this scared child that's trying to protect you can really help you embrace it, can really help you have more compassion and support for yourself to to be more gentle with yourself as you go through this process. So move forward as if you are talking to this child version of yourself, if that's what it takes for you to be kind to yourself throughout the process. So now that you know what it is, let's quickly just jump into steps with shadow work. One, recognize. 
We've talked a lot about this in today's episode. First, we have to recognize this side of ourselves. Know that there's no point in denying it. Everyone has one. (laughs) So acknowledging your own. Not trying to contain it, not trying to allow it to become denser and weighing us down. So if you ever find yourself saying like, oh, I don't know what came over me. I wasn't myself. The devil possessed me. (laughs) No, this is a good indicator that this is your shadow self stepping up and asking to be worked on. Showing up and having a tantrum when you're not when you don't have it fully under lock, under control. So look for moments throughout the day as part of this recognition where you're triggered or resistant or judgmental or negative feelings are bubbling up. This is a sign that something within your subconscious, your shadow self, is stirring. So becoming aware of your personal triggers. That's how we begin to recognize it, noticing when it shows up. And that's what will allow you to be able to work on it in the future. And when they do come up, don't judge them because that's what will have it, you know, repeat the cycle. Be open, remain curious, maybe ask questions about it, and notice when you're reacting in a way that isn't in alignment with your higher self. And then maybe start to ask questions about why that's happening, what's showing up, what's underneath all that. So this recognition can just be an exercise of like self-love and self-reflection, but make sure it's not self-judgment. We don't want to go back to that. The second thing to do is to embrace this shadow self as a friend, as a loved one who has had its intent to protect you. So once you become aware of what your triggers are and how you've responded as a result, the next thing is to accept those responses and choose to show up differently. That's how we embrace these things. So in the future, having a pause before you react, having that brief moment before you go into your default reaction and pivoting toward the reaction and how you actually want to show up. So you start creating that new neural pathway for how you want to show up. We are both light and dark, good and evil, giving, selfish, loving, spiteful. We are human. We have all of these things within ourselves. And the difference is is that we get to choose which one we want to move forward with. And we can do that when we pause and give ourselves a moment to reflect before acting. So as you begin to recognize step one, as you begin to embrace it, step two, then you can begin to heal it. Step three, you start to notice your disconnect between you and your shadow self and you start to merge that gap. You start to reintegrate it as a part of your full authentic self. You start to notice how you're showing up and you're bringing everything into the spotlight instead of keeping it in the shadows. In this awareness will allow you to start to heal these things. A good chance that a lot of these subconscious beliefs will always be there. There will always be remnants, but they can be, they can show up to a lesser degree. They can show up less often. They can be triggered less often. You can cultivate a more positive way to respond to things as a default setting. And that's really what all this work is about. Being aware of what they are, embracing what they are, and then choosing a different path. That's what's going to lead to this healing. And so there's a bunch of different ways to do this. There's a bunch of different techniques. You could probably go on Pinterest and find a bunch. I'm working on that course that's going to talk about limiting belief work, and that'll also have some exercises in there if that's of interest to you. Um, You can sign up for my newsletter, and I'll let you guys know when that's ready to go. And as a general rule of thumb, if you're not interested in going out and looking for exercises to help you do this, just try having a conversation with your shadow self. That could honestly be, you know, you may not even need a course if you can just get show up fully with that version of you, 
name your biggest fear, name your biggest shame, and then just have a conversation with yourself about it. Where is this coming from? How is it showing up? What was the initial catalyst for this? And then just being open to having that discussion with you. (laughs) And you can ask good questions like, how have you served me? What is your purpose? How have you shown up to protect me? You know, what do you need from me? All of these things. Just be open and curious and have a dialogue going. And that might be a really healthy way for you to come to get to the bottom of some of these things. And you can also use this as a journaling exercise if, if that's easier for you. This is really, really powerful, especially if you are, let's say you want to be an entrepreneur. Really powerful exercise to ask your shadow self, you know, maybe how have you held me back in the business? How have you maybe kept me from doing something? How have you kept me safe? How have you prevented me from making significant change? How have you shown up for me that maybe wasn't in my best interest? You know, these are some really good questions you you can start asking yourself. So hopefully this is a decent introduction to shadow work and your shadow self if this is a new concept to you. If it's something you're already familiar with, maybe it's a nice little refresher or maybe it gives you a different perspective on it. Either way, I would love to hear how this process is working for you. If you had any insights from this, feel free to send me a message on Instagram at Modern Manifestation, or you can shoot me an email at hello at themodernmanifestation.com. And if you want to leave me a review about any of this, if this has been helpful, much appreciated. If you want to do that and then screenshot it, email it to me at hello at themodernmanifestation.com, then I will send you a little goodie as a thank you for doing that. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will catch y'all in the next episode. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. If you want to check out the show notes, head over to www.themodernmanifestation.com forward slash blog. If you're loving this podcast, please drop me a review, share this episode with a loved one, and follow me on Instagram at Modern Manifestation. I love y'all so much and thanks for listening. Thank you.